When you have a busy afternoon but also have an appetite for adventurous new recipes, try Blue Apron's heat and eat meals that offer quick and simple meals without sacrificing fresh and quality ingredients. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and wellness offerings. Order now and get $110 off across your first five orders when you visit blueapron.com unique. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And for those of you who listen into Avoid the Maze, you know it's about a journey. We're all on a journey in life. And uh, I don't know about my guest, Ryan, but I know when I was uh, a young child, I had a great idea what my life was going to look like. Um, Didn't turn out that way. And I'm not saying that... My life turned out poorly. It just turned out different. And it seems like uh, that is uh, very normal in our world today. Uh, it's not like it may have been um, maybe at the turn of the century when uh, everybody sort of lived in little groups and uh, didn't travel around so much. But uh, the world has gotten smaller and smaller. And uh, we have as it's gotten smaller, we have more opportunities. So my guest today is Ryan Linder, and uh, we're going to put all of our show notes in so you'll know how to reach Ryan and I'll listen to him in the future as well. But Ryan, you mentioned that you like to talk about self and society. So what does that really mean? Yeah, yeah. And thanks for having me too. Sure. I'm, I'm excited to, to be here. Um, I've been a, a coach for for many years, and I specialize in in transitions. So, um, you know, we w- when you first meet someone, um, what do they do? Well, they they often uh, give you their resume, or um, you know, you meet someone. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I do this, and, and we have made our resume. You know, who we are. And I'll, I think back of all the clients I've had, and. Um, you know, working with, uh, say, uh, a military, someone in the military, when, uh, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle often, if you're in the sure. military, and um, when someone is close to retirement, for example, they often go through a, a kind of an existential crisis where it's, well, I was a soldier for this many years, I don't know what I am now. And um, that's really what I what I help people do is kind of, uh, d- kind of see through those issues and and who they are. And, you know, my response is often, well, you know, if you were a soldier, you know, you're, you're still you, I mean, you'll still be you after you retire. Um, my guess is, you know, if they're, if they're married, their spouse does not call them sergeant or whatever. We um, hope not. They're still a person. Well, I hope not. Maybe, maybe they do, but um, we often think we are our resumes and we spend our whole lives chasing chasing those things that we think give us our, our worth. And, and uh, you know, growing up, I was, 
seeking that, uh, you know, before I became a coach, you know, I've, I'm a big introvert. I've been an introvert my whole life, struggled with um, just terrible, terrible anxiety. I mean, uh, you know, I would be um, just scared to death often, you know, in a big group, I would sweat through my shirt. I, I mean, it would be like I took a shower, you know, <laughs> that level of anxiety. And so I started seeking personal development and, and trying to find where I fit because I, I never felt like I really fit anywhere. And for the first, you know, um, I'm in my low 40s now, when, when I was in my uh, early 20s, I would be chasing Trying, just trying to figure out where I fit for, for professionally. Matter of fact, over a course uh, of um, the, a, a lot of my 20s, my, I had 37 jobs. Wow. 37 in 37. all different industries. Yes. Yeah, yep. 37. That's a lot. That's a lot. I was in an area where there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity and there wasn't the same, you know, even, even then there wasn't the same opportunities you know, online or, you know, sure. this same types of opportunities. So it was really just trying to, to make it in an area where there wasn't really much. And um, so it, it was also trying to figure out where I fit and I had no idea. And um, you, you mentioned something that really, that, that uh, I totally, it, it resonated, which is, um, you know, often what you become or what you be is something you can't see. And it's often something you don't predict, you know? So when I work with people in career transitions, you know, they sit there and say, oh, yeah, I, I want to transition or shift careers or do this. And they sit there and they think just this brainstorming, they'll come to this epiphany where they're like, aha, that's who I am. And then maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but often what we, who we think we are is not, that's not really us, right? It's just us, you know, chasing meaning, chasing purpose and trying to be this, you know, trying to, to, to find out where we fit, which I spent so much time doing. And ultimately it led me to coaching, which I didn't know was a profession at all at the time. So I fell into it, you know? Well, and a lot of us are finding out that, um, we didn't know there was such a thing as seeking out a coach. Okay. We thought there was therapy or there was um, maybe going back to school because somebody would guide us, but coaching, uh, coaching was for the football field or uh, the baseball diamond. And so I think you're right that for many of us, coaching has become um a very good place for us to be. And some of us do it full-time, some do it part-time, some do it without even realizing they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And coaching really is helping someone explore. I, I think that's the way I look at it. helping someone explore their blind spots. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I had a psychologist once as a, um, as a client. And the first time that happened, I was kind of like, I thought they were supposed to have it all figured out. They're psychologists. Like, why are they? <laughs> and I realized very quickly that, you know, we're all just people and we often cannot see ourselves. So, you know, my job as a coach is really to help, to ask the right questions, to, to, 
to explore. And often um, what we end up doing is something that we, it was never on the radar, right? So my suggestion to anyone going, oh, I need, I need purpose. I need that is first of all, your title doesn't define you. That's not who you are at all because, you know, I'm, I'm still Ryan, even though at one point in time I delivered pizza or another point in time I painted fences or whatever it was in my twenties. Um, and, and, and now I've been a coach for many years and I work with big organizations, but I'm, I'm still me underneath those. So what you find is the role that you have is awesome, often just a circumstance. It's a circumstance and just focus on making daily decisions that align with you. Just make daily decisions that align with you and then let the cards sort of fall from fall where they may from there. But it doesn't, um, you know, I have so many conversations about identity and, and none of that really matters ultimately in the end, your, your resume. You know, it's interesting. I just did a podcast with a, a woman who happens to be um, an amputee. And when she identified herself, I loved how she did it. She said, I'm a woman, wife, mother, count, um, coach, and an amputee. And she said, and not one of them totally defines me. And I sat here thinking, you've got it right. Because we are a combination of so many things that um, we shouldn't be defining ourselves as, you know, an amputee or as a teacher or as a wife, because there's so many more parts of us. And you may not connect with me if I say that um, I'm a daughter. Well, you were a son. So is that the same as being a daughter? Maybe, maybe not. So I think when we have these conversations with each other, and especially with ourselves, we have to break it down that we are not just one thing all the time. And I'm sure that's what you do with your clients as well. Yeah, and I find, um, I, I, I love how she put that. And also I, I would go a step further and say, those are things that are about her, but not right. quite her. Those are just manifestations of her, her daily, you know, who she is and, and extensions of, of her, but none of those things define her. And a, a good example is, you know, I've worked with um, say nurses, a lot of nurses or, or think of another helping profession. And a lot of people say, well, the nurses I've worked with, um, you know, I, I'm a nurse because, you know, I love to help people and that's how, that's my purpose in life, that, which is fantastic. And, um, I've known so many nurses who have just helped so many people and I love it, but is it being a nurse that makes you who you are? Or is that just the result? Like you, you want to help people. Okay. Well, you can help people and not be a nurse. You can help exactly. people that that's just the outlet to, to do that. What if you couldn't be a nurse anymore, right? What, what if you couldn't do it? You got, 
you just um, maybe got in an accident or God forbid or something. What if you couldn't be a nurse anymore? Is that, does that, is that to say you're not you anymore or you're not the same person who is helping people? Who would you be on a deserted island? If you're on a deserted island, are you still a lawyer? Are you still a doctor? Are you still, you know, insurance sales? If you're on a, no, no. On a deserted island, you're just you. That's it. So I, I think we get too hung up as a society with, you know, what we're called and the resume and, and all that. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just about us. So. And don't you find that there are individuals, and I'm going to say professional individuals, whether they're a doctor, a lawyer, um, an accountant, they hold on to that title because they believe it gives them a certain step in society. And I know quite a few of those professional people who keep saying, I just wish I wasn't a lawyer or I wasn't a doctor or a nurse. And my comment to many of them has been, <clears throat> then why are you? There are other things you can do. And as you said, somebody who says they're a nurse because they want to help people, well, there are the ways of helping people. You help people every day as a coach. I help people through my podcast. Um, I would make a terrible nurse. I know that. Um, you know, there are certain things I have to do for my family and I do it because I love them, but do I want to do it? Absolutely not. Um, so we have to get off of these titles that we think puts us in a certain level of society, gets us accepted. So what would you say to somebody who maybe has been a doctor for many years, but you know what, just doesn't like the way, you know, our medical profession is today? How do they get out of it? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I look at it two ways. Number one, it's those people not wanting to be defined by that um, and people to see beyond it. And then I also think there are people that used that title as a way of um, demonstrating their worth. So one example would be, uh, say uh, you're a, a, a military general or colonel or someone sure. um that title is defines you um and you walk around you literally wear the title you wear it literally which um and so who, who would that's really hard because people are so often so married to that idea of who they are so who would they be without that well they're more important with the title and they'll make sure you know um and a, and a doctor, this happened to me actually the other day, is uh, someone introduced themselves as I'm Dr. Sandy or whatever. Um, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Well, you, you may be, but what is the purpose of introducing yourself that way in, in situations where it makes no difference? So in other words, if you're talking to your lawn care person or your, you know, 
you, you, you wouldn't need to interview. I'm Dr. So-and-so because it doesn't make any difference to that right. person. And I think a lot of people use that as, hey, I've, I'm important. And, and th- what they would say, and they often do is, you know, I've worked so hard many years and I've earned that title. And, uh, but if you didn't use it like that, does that mean you, you didn't earn it or it's not important or does, does that, I, I think the worth, their self-worth is found in, in advertising it almost. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and yeah. that reminds me when um, I was in my late 20s, I was going through a divorce. Um, my first husband was a dentist. Um, and so I was a dental wife and I belonged to the dental wives group. And I thought that was my identity back then. Um, and I remember as I was going through my divorce and um, meeting other um, men, I kept thinking to myself, well, I need to be with a doctor or a dentist because, hey, that's who, that's who I've been. And luckily for a very good friend of mine, she sat me down and she said, you're not a dentist wife anymore. And you can be anybody's wife, or you can be single and happy. And I looked at her and I thought, well, no, for the last seven and a half years, this is who I've been. And she goes, and you can be whoever you want to be. And I thought about it. And when I met my current husband, and we've been together 38 years, I had people say to me, you're never going to marry him. And I said, why? Because he's not a professional. He doesn't, he's not a lawyer. He's not a doctor. He's, you know, didn't have a title. And I looked at them and I said, he's the first guy who's ever really been nice to me. And I can be me. And they looked at me strangely. And I've remembered it all these years. I don't need a title. I don't have to tell somebody I'm Mrs. Hale. I'm Karen. Okay. Um, The joke has always been. Mrs. Hale was my mother-in-law, but we do get hung up on those things. We think they're so important. So how about somebody from my generation who has believed those titles are so important? How do we shed those? I would say it's, it is certainly in it, it, it's in the mind and kind of how you think of yourself and to elaborate a little more, um, your example really hit home because like, say the general, the, the general's wife, for example, I, I've right. heard a lot of people have come to me about that. Um, you know, a general, a colonel, you know, a military officer's wife or spouse, you know, whoever the service member is, um, they are often responsible for doing things like arranging, you know, dinners and, and hosting and, you know, different things like that. And often they feel sort of swallowed up, I guess, by, you know, they're not, um, you know, Sandy or Johnny or whoever they're, you know, Mr. or Mrs. You know, (laughs) right. um, And that becomes them. And I once worked with a client who uh, she was a very successful major 
news producer and anchor. So she, she was, um, uh, I forget which one came first, but anyway, she was very successful and she married later, um, into the military and gave up that career, you know, cause of the frequent moves and so forth. And she experienced kind of, uh, that identity crisis where I thought I was this person. And now, now I'm like kind of swallowed up in this whole, you know, military sure. identity, you know? So I would say that people are going to, you can train people. First of all, you can train people how to treat you and, and, and their don't allow their definition of you to influence your definition of you. For example, some you, you may have these aspirations of being a big musician, big time and successful. And there will be people who think, ah, oh, they couldn't do that. He or she couldn't do that. Um, and, and, and they will have limits on you. But the minute you find success, let's say you, you, know, you um, were a struggling musician, all of a sudden you had a platinum album or whatever. Suddenly their opinion shifts of you um, because they have seen the value change. They've seen it in terms, if that makes sense. So, but in order to get to that point, it takes a special person to kind of separate themselves from how others think of them and not allow it to limit if, if that makes sense, sure, absolutely so it, does. It, it takes a special person to say they can define me however they want. That's fine. It's not going to deter or influence my decisions for myself. And I think that's where people get stuck is they go, ah, you know, I, I, I could, I couldn't do that. Um, that's not, you know, this is just all, this is all I am. And it's not you probably, in fact, no one I've talked to has actually achieved their full potential, I believe. It's about exploring that and getting out of their comfort zone. And that's why we call it, you know, a journey on avoid the maze. We are constantly on a journey. Um, you know, I have said many times when I was about nine or 10 years old, it was a summer day. I was sitting on the front porch with my parents. Um, and I turned to my mom and I said, you see that house out over there? Someday I'm going to get married. I'm going to live in that house. My husband and I are going to have, you know, three kids just like you did. Friday nights will come to dinner at your house. Sunday mornings, you'll come to brunch at our house. And my mother looked at me and she said, oh, honey, that would be delightful. About 10 years later, you know, I'm going to college and um, I'm not thinking about that street or that house or anything else. I'm thinking about what I want to do with my life. And it's like, well, what happened in those 10 years that changed me? Well, the journey, going in different pathways. Um, and so I tell people that, yes, you know, there are times that we'll sit down and we will make a plan, you know, uh, vision boards that so many young people make, you know, this is where I'm going to go. But what happens 
if as you're going down that route, you say, you know what? I don't like the way the street looks. I'm going to turn right. You know, oh, I turned right. You know what? I'm going to turn right again. There's nothing wrong with that. Because as you said, we never really reach our highest potential. We just keep experimenting. Yeah, and I, um, people will always pull you into their fear, usually. Um, and you see this a lot with parent-child relationships. It's, oh, you got to play it safe and you can take risks. You know, it's because they love you. And I, it, it, right. You know, that makes sense. But you have to always remember people will generally tend to um, cling to familiarity and they will always pull you into that fear. So, you know, if you take a look at, you know, people who um, have um, achieved certain things, they've always had to get out of their comfort zone. And, and, and so what about them created that? Like, you don't know how many failures they've seen or how many rejections they've seen. I mean, I've helped people overcome all, and I've been rejected, oh God, numerous times, but it, it, it really takes a special mindset to say, you know, none of that defines me. I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I may not see it right now. I may not see the outcomes, um, you know, detach from the outcome. Um, now that's not to suggest that, you know, throw caution to the wind and take crazy. And do I mean, you want to be there, there is a place for being reasonable and sensible sure. and so forth, but you just, you know, your, your circumstance is often a result of just a series of choices. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, how can I change? How can I do this? And how can I? And as a coach, you know, my job is to ask questions. But what happens when you make 20 suggestions to someone is they often give you 20 reasons why it won't work. Oh, absolutely. You know, they, oh, I can't do that because of that. Oh, you know, I can't do that. And so I learned really quickly that, you know, the exploration that they have to come to that on their own and they often can't see how they're keeping themselves stuck, but their circumstance is often a result of choices and to make any real change. I would say every single time it's usually going to, it's going to require you to get out of your comfort zone and get away from the familiar. It almost is always works out that way. You know, it's interesting that you talk about comfort zone because for many, many years, um, I was working with uh, an associate degree. Um, I kept thinking, I really can't go back to school and get my bachelor's or master's because I'm just not smart enough. I thought everybody else around me was that much smarter. Um, and then I started working for a college and um, I realized, wait a second, I'm talking to students about advancing their career. And here I am, you know, and I've been saying I can't do it. And that's why I said, I'm going back to school. I'm going to work and go back to school. And you know what? I don't think I'm as ignorant or as stupid or whatever those terrible words I was using on myself. And all of a sudden I realized I can do this. I can work, I can go to school, I can still raise my family. Um, and I wasn't sure where that education was gonna take me, uh, but I knew it's something I began with, I wanted to finish it. 
And what I tell individuals is, you know, you got to dig deep inside yourself and say, you know, what makes me happy at the end of the day? And I always thought it was making everybody else happy, whether it be my husband, my kids, my parents, or my students. And I realized I was working so hard at making everybody else happy. I was miserable. So it's just like that person who says, I want to be a nurse or a doctor because I want to help people. You may want to help people, but if you're helping them in the wrong profession, guess what? You're probably going to be miserable. So it becomes, we have to learn how to become honest with ourselves. And that's difficult, really difficult. It is, it is. And often it feels, you know, forced when you're in a profession that you feel like, oh God, this is really not, um, you know, reflective of me. Um, and I always say like, uh, in when you're on an airplane, they always say, you know, you take the oxygen first, you know, you take care of yourself first. Because if you do that, then you can better help other people. If you don't do that, then you're just part of the panic. And I, I feel that's, that always stuck with me because most people, you know, I, I was a people pleaser for years and I thought that was where my worth was the approval and doing. Um, and then I realized, whoa, I can't control what other people think. And I try to please them. And sometimes they'd still treat me terribly. So maybe that's not who I am either. Um, and just for years, I was seeking like, well, who am I? And um, I remember once I was even, um, I was in a kitchen doing dishes in my early twenties. I was in the a restaurant in the back and I was like pulling some really gross stuff out of the sink that was clogged. And <laughs> I was just thinking, is this me? Like, is this what I, is, is this my potential? You know, and I am the same person years later. I mean, yeah, you know, I've grown in different ways, but basically I'm the same I have the same value. I have the same worth. And that didn't define me. Success doesn't define me. Um, but it required me at the time to, number one, number one, the biggest thing you can do to, to, to make that change is to be okay in uncertainty. You know, a lot of times we don't take a risk until it's like a guarantee. You know, we're afraid of the outcome. So if you can live your life and be okay with uncertainty, and when you encounter something, it's not, should I do that? It's how, how am I going to do it? How, how, and you just keep going with it. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. I mean, I can't tell, I mean, 37 jobs in my, in my twenties, like, um, there were many, many times I felt like an imposter or how am I going to get there? Or, you know, maybe I can do it. And, um, but you, you just keep going and you take the oxygen first and and you do what's best for you. And, and and then you will be a better person and you will help other people more. And everything that you're saying, you know, I relate to so well, and I think most of our listeners do, that um, we want to do something, whether it be, you know, I want to paint, I want to, um, I want to raise 
certain animals, you know, I want to do these things. And I look outside and I go, well, hey, I live in a condo. I can't, you know, raise crops and have animals here. So instead of saying I can't do it, I should look outside and say, how can I do it? Because there may be a way, okay? Uh, and it may not be the most glorious way, you know, your first thought. It might be, you know, finding some small house where you can plant your garden and have a couple of chickens and, and goats or whatever it is. But we stop ourselves. And I know I did that for many, many years. When I finally left the college that I had been working at, because I realized I loved what I did. I hated the culture and the culture was killing me. And I kept defining my, the job by the culture. Um, and I kept saying, if I could just take my office and move it outside away from everybody, I'd be the happiest person in the world. And I probably would have been, but that wasn't an option. And so I thought about it and I realized I had to get out of that arena that I was in. And that took a big step because I was the major breadwinner in the house. My son's college education was being paid because I was employed by the college. And I thought, how do I do this? This is horrible. What kind of mother am I? What kind of person am I? But I sat down with my family and we talked about it. And, you know, we looked at how we could do it and we could all survive. And that led me to, you know, increasing my blogging and then saying, hey, this is what I've always wanted to do. I'm going to podcast. And I remember the first time I said it out loud, I was waiting for my son and my husband to say, yeah, how are you going to do that? And instead, what my husband said was, we got to get you a really good mic. We got to get you a good set of head." It was like, wow, you're going to let me do this. And then I thought, no, you're going to help me do this because it was not about him letting me. So when your clients come to you and they get this aha moment, I can do what I want to do. What, what is it like for you as a coach? It, it means the world. And again, I never knew it was actually a profession, but I've had people, you know, leave tearful messages on, <laughs> on their, on my voicemail, but, um, you know, I, I, I just love, um, I, I found out through my own search that I, I think one thing I could do is relate to people in certain areas. I worked a lot with introverts, people with anxiety, people who, you know, career transitions, all, all stuff I had experienced and led me, you know, I became, um, uh, I coach people on interviewing and resumes and, you know, navigating all that because I, I truly do get it. I, I've been in their seat before. Um, and, and I can hear people saying, you know, well, is that to say you can be anything you want to be? I mean, and, and I've heard, well, the chances of me going the NFL are pretty slim, I would say right now. I mean, if I, I do, I would like to be a wide receiver in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible at this stage, but um, I think the point that I want to drive home with people is you are never going to get to a single perfect job or role or thing 
you are, you most people live their whole life seeking that one thing where they can check that box and say, I got it. I got, I got it. And, you know, I I've had what I would have called my dream job. I've had that. And I realized, whoa, it's maybe not as perfect as I had in my mind. Um, the, the reality is, is, um, and you mentioned like toxic cultures. I, I've had a, a dream job before, but unfortunately management was toxic and, you know, it was created. Um, but, you know, so, so again, you, you always make choices that align with you. And sometimes that's leaving toxic relationships, toxic jobs. It's leaving those things behind. Remember, you get the oxygen first, then you can help other people. But the job is just conduit for you. It, it's, I always tell people, um, they always talk about their work life and their home life. And I always think as if they're two totally different lives. Now, now I understand what they mean by that. They mean that at work, you know, there's time to be professional. And I, I, I get that. But ultimately there is no work life or home life. There's just life you're still you at work and you're you at home. And it doesn't have to be so distinctly separate. It doesn't have to be that. Unfortunately, society has created it where this corporate stuffy culture is the way it is. But, you know, when I work with organizations, I always say, you know, you hire people, not roles. You hire people. And that's why a lot of turnover is real high because the moment people feel like a role, they're gone. Right. So to me, I always say, you know, it's a, all that is to say that it's, your job is fluid. It can change. There is no perfect one. Um, what your real job is in your life is to explore who you are and use these different conduits to, to do that. That's kind of the way I, I like to think about it. Well, and I think that's, extremely important because we don't have just only one passion, one desire, one like. Um, I had somebody ask me, you know, if if you're a podcaster and, and a blogger and you do websites, why is it on the weekend um, you put on your IT hat and you go to a big box store and you help their sales staff sell. And I said, because there are many things that I like in life. And when we talk about helping people, in some ways, that's what I'm doing. I'm helping, you know, the salesperson get some skills, some skills that they probably wouldn't get anywhere else, um, or learn from their skills and share them with others. And then I'm there with the customer who oftentimes is scared because, oh, you're going to tell me what to spend and I don't have that kind of money. And that's not what I do. I'm there to, you tell me what it is that you need, how you're going to use it. I'm going to tell you what the best options are. And maybe today's the day to buy and maybe today is not. And Yes, I'm wearing two different hats, but I also wear another hat, you know, when I'm with my sons and when I'm with my husband. And you know what? They all mesh because, like you said, it's who I am. 
And so we have to stop looking at people and saying, well, how can you do all these things? They don't go together. Well, they do because you bring you into all those things. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I love that. And yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people see things that maybe have nothing to do with each other and then they don't know how to define you. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I do a lot of coaching and, and then I also work, you know, work with organizations and coaching and training and things like that. But I also do a lot with animals and I do, um, uh, a few things with like real estate and a few things that maybe not, and depending upon when you talk to me, you know, maybe I'm wearing a different hat, you know, right. And, and you maybe look at me uh, a, a little differently. And, um, people often define you on your circumstance. Like, like I, I think back at the example I, that I gave, uh, you know, when I was in the kitchen doing dishes and all that, it, it would be easy at that time to say, well, he, he's that and, and, and define me. Um, now, if we, you, you take someone, let's say, um, you know, Elon Musk or whoever, if, if we met any of these individuals, um, before they started their companies, we wouldn't think of them the same, right? Because they hadn't right. achieved that, that value yet, right? And now that, you know, they have all these titles and things that define them, suddenly then it's different. But, you know, they're, they're uh, people grow, but they're, they're still, you know, they're still them. So, so you're right. I think uh, uh, I, I would say that we are not nouns, we are verbs, but we live in a culture that is about nouns. And at the end, at the end of life, we realize, or after a trauma, we realize that, whoa, I was actually a verb all along and I never, I never really? knew it. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I love that definition. That is absolutely perfect. So how can our listeners find you? You know, um, as I keep saying, coaches don't have to be in your own backyard. Uh, thank God for Zoom and Teams and so many other ways to communicate. And when somebody finds the right personality um, and wants to link up with them, we now have that opportunity. So uh, if one of our listeners says, you know what, I've been where Ryan's been, he would understand me. Um, how can they find you? Uh, I think the best place is on my, my website, RS is in Scott, uh, RS Lindner, L-I-N-D-N-E-R. So there are two N's in there. It's R-S-L-I-N-D-N-E-R at uh, uh, .com, rslindner.com. And from there, all my social media sites are linked up. Um, LinkedIn is an option. Um, you can also check out my book, which is on Amazon. It's called The Half-Known Life. It's basically about... Um, the inability for us to see ourselves and, and helps you with that exploring, helps you with that identity, the exploring and, and um, you know, hopefully that will be helpful. And that, that's, on Amazon, on, that's on Amazon as well. It's all linked on my website. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And if you forgot everything he just said, don't worry, it will be in the show notes. So all you have to do is go back to the show notes and uh, get the information. And one of the things that I started doing about two months ago since I'm talking to so many coaches like Ryan is um, I created a new profession for myself and it's called a coach advocate because I believe in coaching. Um, it is so 
important, at least it has been for me. And I've seen the results for so many other people. Um, and to be honest, I'm working with three different coaches because of uh, different personality types and what I've been trying to achieve. And they all know about each other. And uh, in fact, they all talk to each other as well. Um, but what a coach advocate does is if you're listening and you're going, you know, I don't know if Ryan's right for me, but you had somebody else on, contact me. I will put you in contact with uh, the different coaches that we've worked with. Uh, because before I invite them on, I do some research. Uh, I definitely read their bios. I find out, uh, listen to their podcasts. Uh, because I think it's important that I do some vetting myself. Um, and then for the coaches, I will do some vetting as well. So, um, you know, please contact us. And if Ryan's the right person, go directly to him. Uh, I think that's great. And tell me about the name of the book one more time. Sure. It's called The Half-Known Life, What Matters Most uh, When You're Running Out of Time. And it's actually from uh, a Moby Dick quote. And basically, the half-known life, it's, uh, we, we can't always see ourselves. We can't always see ourselves. It's about your blind spots and really exploring those and exploring, you know, who you are. Well, I think we all have those blind spots. So um, we can all come together with that. And, uh, you know, please check out Ryan and uh, continue to listen to Avoid the Maze. Have a great day, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me.